I love that last line of that song. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand. That is great news. That is incredible news. And so the question we have today, church, is are we willing to share that news? This year we are talking about these four different points. We've called them the four points for a long time. Uh, They've been in our church for forever, but we've lost focus. And so this year we're doing our best to bring our focus back to these four things. And so Charlie's been walking us through uh, the Lord's Prayer on Sundays, talking about how we worship God. But today, because of our special thing that we just did with our kids, where we've dedicated our children to God, um, we're going to be talking about bringing people to faith. Bringing people to faith. Now, we had a uh, staff retreat this last fall, and we talked about these four things. And what was really interesting about it was we all kind of came up with different things. it It was like two sides of the same coin. We talk about bringing people to faith, and some of us said, yeah, that's, that has a lot to do with our children and how we bring our children to faith. Others looked at the, the phrase and said, well, wait a minute, this is really about bringing people who don't know Christ to come to know Christ. And both are true. And both are true. And so today, as we take a look at this, um, I want us to think about it through those two lenses. So we'll be in the book of John, chapter 1. If you want to, you can go ahead and flip over there, starting in verse 43. As we think about bringing people to faith, uh, I thought of this story, and I think there's some really important things for us to think about as far as what does it require of us to bring people to faith. John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, our job, as one of our jobs as people who follow Jesus, is to be someone who helps others see who Jesus is. And so Philip here in this moment is called by Jesus, just like Peter and Andrew had been called before him. And Jesus says, follow me, and, and Philip does. He follows him, but he doesn't stop there. It says that he finds Nathaniel. That he goes looking for him because this news that he's learned is so good that he cannot keep it to himself. He has to share this good news. And so he goes looking for his friend Nathaniel. 
Well, Nathaniel doesn't really believe at first, does he? He's a little bit skeptical. In fact, when, uh, when Philip says that he's from Nazareth, Nathaniel goes, wait a minute, Nazareth? Now, here's the deal. I'm from Oklahoma. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't choose where I was born. Um, but my guess is that some of you may have, at some point or another, made a joke about Oklahoma. Maybe. I know where you UT fans are sitting. I know what you think, okay? It's uh, 1047. Well, we won't finish that phrase, will we? And so sometimes we do that. We think about people from different places, and we have an opinion about them. And so maybe you've thought that about people from Oklahoma. Hopefully I'm helping to change that point of view. Um, Well, maybe not. Um, But uh, (laughs) so Philip says this about Jesus of Nazareth, and Nathaniel goes, wait a minute, Nazareth? Nazareth? Are you kidding, Nazareth? Do you know about people from Nazareth, Philip? Because let me tell you about them. They are not, this is not where the Messiah is going to come from. Are you for real? You can't be serious. Not Nazareth. And Philip plays it cool. He simply tells Nathaniel to come and see. That's it. He doesn't work to argue the point. He doesn't try to use logic to prove that this is true. He offers him the chance to see Jesus. Because when we truly see Jesus, that's all we need because Jesus truly sees us. And so this morning, I want us to think about what this requires from us as far as bringing people to faith in light of this text in John chapter 1. And the first thing is that bringing people to faith requires invitation. Our job is to bring, to invite, You can't expect someone to show up who isn't invited in the first place. I'll say that again. You can't expect someone to show up who isn't invited in the first place. Not everybody is as bold as some of us, right? Some of us might would show up with no invitation. But others of us, we would be a little bit shy and a little bit hesitant. You can't expect someone to show up if they aren't invited. Over the last few years, things have changed. And uh, one thing that's changed is how difficult it is to find people to volunteer or help with different things. Now, at Brentwood Oaks, we are very, very blessed to have a lot of people who are willing to go and serve, and so thank you for that. So please don't hear me picking on anybody this morning. But we'll sit around and we'll go, okay, well, we need 10 people for this, and we'll get the directory out and we'll go, okay, well, what about this person? Well, I don't, I don't know. They're really busy doing a lot of other stuff. Well, they're already involved in this and this and this. And before you know it, we've already counted someone out. And so a phrase I like to say a lot is, make them say no. Make them say no. I have said no for far too many people in my life. And I'm sure you have too. Because it's intimidating. What if they do say no? Here's some good news. The anxiety that we feel about being rejected I don't know that that's really that important. I don't know that that's really that big of a thing. Somebody saying no to your invitation does not necessarily mean that's a reflection on you, does it? And yet we're afraid to ask someone. And so I've tried to adopt this. I still struggle. I still count people out. But I like to make people say no. I'd rather you give that answer than me. 
And so as we think about inviting people, bringing people to faith, it does require invitation. It, our job is to bring. And so are there people that you know in your life that you've thought about asking to come with you to church or to see what God is doing among his people, and you've just kind of counted them out and said no for them? If so, I'd like to push you a little bit to think about letting them be the ones to say no. Because you never know who's waiting for that invitation. You never know what state someone is in. And they might be ready for someone like you to say, hey, my church isn't, we're not perfect. We don't have it all together, but we serve a God that does. And I'd love for you to experience what that's like with me. Our job is to bring. Now with our children, we bring our children. And sometimes that means we invite and kind of slowly bring them along. And sometimes um, it means that we bring them whether they want to come or not. And this is tough. We bring them to church. We bring them to Bible class. We bring them to family retreat, to LTC, to Camp Agape, to Camp Blue Haven, to summit groups, whatever the case might be. And sometimes they need a little bit of a nudge. Sometimes they need us to grab them by the arm and take them with us. And this is hard. But if we believe that, that, is what is, that this is what is best, that no power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand, if we believe those words to be true, that here in the power of Christ we stand, if those things are true, if his love is real, if he is our Lord and Savior, Sometimes that means we do what is necessary for them to continue to grow in the faith. And sometimes that's a hard conversation. Parents, I want to encourage you to continue to bring your children. Bringing people to faith requires invitation. So who do you know that needs the invitation like Philip gives to Nathaniel to come and see who Jesus is? The second thing that bringing people to faith requires us is it requires faith. It requires faith. Philip trusts that when Nathaniel sees Jesus, he will be convinced to follow. He doesn't trust in his knowledge of the prophets, although it's obvious from the passage that he had it. He doesn't trust in his ability to argue certain things, although he could have. He trusts that when Nathaniel sees Jesus... He will be convinced of his lordship. Do we trust that the good news is good enough? Do we trust that God will do the work that only God can do? What people do you need to give the invitation and then trust that the good news is good enough for someone to see and believe? And finally, the last one, which goes together with the second one, Bringing people to faith requires witnessing. It requires witnessing. When people truly encounter Jesus, it leaves them as a different person. Think back to when you first encountered Jesus. Are you the same or are you different? Jesus doesn't tend to leave people in the same place. Nathaniel's interaction with Jesus included him being told things that no one else could have known. And when people see Jesus for who he really is, they can't help but leave having been changed. This is good news for us. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about helping to bring people to faith, I feel very insecure about that. 
or inadequate, that I might not have the words, that I might not be the one to really do good here in this moment. And when I look at this story, Philip does what Philip can do, and God does what God can do. You see, we are not in the heart-changing business, but we know the one who is. Our job is to bring, to invite, to have faith, and to know that when people encounter Jesus, they will leave differently. I love the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that may be my favorite chapter in all of Scripture because it's such an important reminder to me and maybe to you that it really isn't about me. Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, this incredible power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. The power of God is at work within us, and so that is good news to us who see this as a very intimidating thing to bring people to faith that it's the power of God at work within you and I. And so, while that does relieve some of the pressure, it also requires us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It requires us to be the people who are showing this world what it looks like to live a life faithfully devoted to Jesus Christ. It means showing up and helping to teach here at Brentwood Oaks. It means showing up at McBee Elementary and reading to kids. It means being a part of what God is doing at Brentwood Christian School and finding ways to help and serve there. Even though God is the one who changes the hearts, we are a part of showing people who He is. And the things that we do and the things that we say have tremendous power if they're done in the name of Jesus. They did research. People are always doing research. I, you know, I let other people do research who are way smarter than me. But one thing that people said is, if, if you're trying to figure out ways to help your children follow Christ after they leave home, there's no silver bullet, there's no magic formula to make that happen. But what they found was that parents who live faithfully and show their kids how they live faithfully, those kids have a greater chance, almost as 60 to 65%. So not all-inclusive, but the chances that your kids will continue to follow Christ because of your faith and your example is tremendously higher. And so, While God is the one that changes hearts, we are his people that show others who he is by the things that we do, the things that we say, and by the way that we raise our children, by the things that they see us doing. And as a parent, I'm convicted of that. Am I doing a good enough job? Am I showing my kids how to live out faith, how to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? and to love others as I love myself. Am I doing a good job in that? Bringing people to faith requires witnessing, and that means it requires our children witnessing from us. 
what it means to follow Christ. I don't know if this is intimidating to you, but it is to me. But I take solace, I take courage in knowing that Philip doesn't lead Nathaniel through all the many arguments, but instead he leads him to Jesus. And while there's a place for those things, he lets Jesus be what convinces Nathaniel. And so I want to challenge you this morning, church. I want, you, I want to challenge you to think about how are you doing at bringing people to faith? Have you said no for a lot of people? Maybe it's time you ask the question. Are you someone who says, well, maybe I can ask, but I don't know if anything will really happen? Or are you someone who has the faith that God can do what only God can do? And are you someone who knows that what you do bears way, or holds a lot of water when it comes to showing other people who Christ is? hope this morning that we'll think about how we can do better as a church and as individuals at bringing people to faith, whether those are our children that we lead towards godliness or those around us at work, at school, wherever it might be that don't know Christ. And so this morning, if you don't know Christ, we'd love to continue having those conversations with you. And if you're struggling with something or if you need help with something, that's what the body of believers here at Brentwood Oaks wants to be about is to help one another through those times. And so, if there's anything we can do for you, if there's any way we can help you in your spiritual journey, your walk with Christ, we'd ask that you'd come while we stand and while we sing this song.